Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen, President and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit organizations all across the country to translate your vision into reality. As we head into the into the holiday season, I know nonprofits are super busy right now. I've enjoyed being out and about and traveling, um, having facilitated several strategic planning retreats and board and staff retreats recently. But it's great to take a few minutes to pause, get back to the podcast and a conversation I've really been looking forward to um, with someone I've known uh, for a while, and that's Casey Mayer. Uh, Casey is joining the podcast today to talk about a topic that I know gets a lot of attention year round, and particularly this time of year as we head to the end of the year, which is fundraising. Casey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Greg. So happy to be here. It's great to have you join us, Casey. For our listeners, just share a little bit about um, your background and your experience working with nonprofits. Sure. Actually, the first half of my career was spent in the profit world, working for uh, a bank and then a uh, an investment firm. After the, the crash of 08, that ended that part of my career. <laughs> and I moved over to nonprofit. So I've been in profit uh, nonprofit since 2009. Um, I've been part of starting up uh, two nonprofit organizations. And the most recent one was a botanical garden project here in Louisville, Kentucky. I was there for 10 years and built the organization and built the program and raised over $25 million. So uh, learned a lot about fundraising and nonprofit management. And it really is just a unique uh, situation, especially in a startup and a small nonprofit. It's, it's much different than a large nonprofit like a Red Cross or something like that. So uh, I learned a lot of fun tips. And Casey, I'm going to take a few seconds and and brag on you here. Um, Casey is located, as she mentioned, here in Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I'm based as well. And and I've gotten to see the Botanic Garden Project since Casey started when there was nothing to see. It was dirt and it was trees uh, and it was just an idea, a concept and a vision. And through her leadership, her vision and quite frankly, the the as she mentioned, the many millions of dollars she raised, it has been transformed into a project and into a site that actually exists in our community now and is welcoming visitors. So, Casey, um, you are someone who is uniquely qualified to be talking fundraising on on, on the podcast today. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate that. Casey, you have a, a really unique and fun way of starting the conversation around fundraising. I'm going to let you introduce it. Uh, what is the, the phrase that you like to use? And then maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what it represents for you. Okay. So I call this between the sheets of fundraising. Uh, it's not as uh, risque or sexy as it sounds, it, but it it just trying to catch your attention. And what that means is um, you know, typical fundraising programs, fundraising books are very important, but there's a lot that you need to understand about fundraising that goes on, what I say, between the pages, right, that might, may or may not be in that book, and that's why I call it between the sheets of, of fundraising. And so through my own experience, uh, good and bad, of course, right, we all make mistakes, we learn from our mistakes, there are just some tips on fundraising that I've learned over these last years. I love the way you frame that, Casey, because you're right. You can't underestimate the value of professional development and and learning that you know the tools and the strategies and the techniques of fundraising and the academic angle of it. Um, but there is also an experiential 
component to fundraising, a things I've done well, things I wish I could do differently, things that make me cringe now when I think about it. Um, and that, that's part of learning and growing as a nonprofit professional. So I, I'm going to invite you to to take the, to start the conversation where is comfortable for you. When you think about between the sheets of fundraising, those, you know, those lessons that you've learned along the way, where does that start for you? Is there an initial or a first um, principle or, or topic that comes to mind? Um, yes, definitely. And so when we were starting the botanical gardens, and I'm actually consulting on a project right now where they're trying to get started, um, you can't just walk in and say, would you give us some money for this important project? So what I call this first step is make the lemonade and serve it. So you have to make the lemonade and the people around you, people in the community and potential donors have to drink the lemonade. They have to uh, you know, believe in what you're doing and you have to serve it to them, right? So that comes through your marketing, uh, how you talk about the project, what's in print, what's on the website, you know, all these different places that they're getting information is the lemonades. So you're serving them the lemonade. And then when you start talking about what you're doing and your vision, they understand right? They, they understand what you're doing. They can feel it from the heart. You know, most people, if you just walk up and start explaining what you're doing and what you're ra raising money for, they're going to grab a, just a portion of that, maybe 20%. Um, and if you're serving them the lemonade and they saw it in the paper and they saw it on Facebook and they saw all these different places, then, then they get it. And then when you come in, you're kind of zeroing in going, okay, you understand what we're doing. Let me tell you why I'm passionate about it. And here's what we need money for. Um, so that's to me, the most basic and fundamental thing is making the lemonade and serving it. So I'm going to follow up using, using the metaphor of the lemonade, Casey, uh, for those who are listening, who are saying, I, I, I get it, but what are the ingredients? Tell me, what are the ingredients, Casey, of, of the lemonade? You mentioned a few of them in terms of marketing, in terms of storytelling, but if I'm not just going to go in, you know, uh, full steam ahead and let someone know exactly what I'm raising money for, what are those foundational components that people need to know before you get to um, get to the ask? Yes. So this is also related. So I'm going to intertwine the next uh, point, which is the seven touches. Um, and and let me just say when I first learned about marketing and it might've been back in the profit world. And somebody told me, oh, you you know, there are, you have to touch people seven times before they start processing information. I didn't believe it. I thought, oh, that's crazy. You know, you could just put it out there twice. They're gonna, and it's true. You would have to touch them. So uh, seven different times. And, and so that's where the lemonade comes in. And, you know, all the different ways that you can get them to, to drink the lemonade. Now the components of the lemonade, of course, obviously you have to be your mission. And some some nonprofits, as Greg, you know, because you, you work with a lot of nonprofits, some have great concise missions uh, that are easy to remember and to the point. Others have mission statements that are, you know, three and four sentences long that can't be, you know, memorized or if if it if they are, then it doesn't have a lot of meaning. So so obviously the mission, but it's it's what's behind the mission. It's like you can repeat the mission and then tell them, you know, exactly what you do and what's behind it. Um, so we all know though, the mission is a piece of it. And then we do all these other things to get to the mission and support that mission, whether it's feeding children or or you know, saving animals or or whatever that is. 
Um, so again, think of it as uh, making the lemonade or this time of year, everybody has a favorite punch, right? You might have your eggnog punch, you might have your cranberry punch. <laughs> and so what are the ingredients of that punch that you want people to uh, tune into and to remember? So again, could be mission, but it could also be number of people served, right? It could be uh, for us at the Botanical Gardens, we were building on a landfill. So I would put that in the lemonade, right? The reclaiming a landfill, planting hundreds of trees, uh, 50,000 visitors, um, you know, 200 uh, programs a year, just the, the different ingredients that you can actually, as an individual, sit down and brainstorm with yourself Right. Just sit back and go, OK, what are the pieces that I think are important? And then you package that in your different ways. So then you're going to put it out Facebook, blog, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, website, mailings. You know, I've gotten a lot of end of the year mailings um, and I won't say names or anything, but these are friends of mine who head up these nonprofits. So I'm just going to like flash, flash some papers to you. Not, you know, and not everybody can see these, but there's no lemonade. It's black print on a white piece of paper, and on the on the donor sheet, there's not even a logo or an address. Right. Right. So there's no lemonade being served here. If this is on a buffet table, you're not picking it up. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm working that right <laughs> So give me a picture. You'll put a picture of a child on there, and then I'll go. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's part of um, what you're serving up to them um, again, so that they get that that point to that point of understanding and feeling what you're talking about. And I like the way you use the metaphor of serving them lemonade, because I think the temptation sometimes for all of us as nonprofit leaders is try to try to serve them the entire meal up front or nope. the entire jug of lemonade when really people can only digest give, give it to me in a cup. So instead of giving me the hundred page case study of why your mission is critically important and critically needed, give me the human focused story. What is it that you're trying to address? Why is it that your approach is the best one? How is it that I can participate and make a meaningful impact in, in advancing that mission? Right. That's right. That's right. I mean, if there's a, again, you're serving it, you're serving them from all these different locations. Right. So serve the pieces from all these different locations. Don't, like you said, don't do it all at once. So we've got the, we're serving them the lemonade. We know the components, the ingredients of the lemonade. We know that we're going to have to serve it to them more than once because you've told us that we need at least seven touches before someone is going to be ready to make a decision. What's the next step? So you, you want to get in front of your uh, potential donors, obviously. Um, now, that's not necessarily true for everybody. In other words, if you're fundraising internationally, that's not going to apply to you. But in the case that you are, and this is a this might be a small one, but it's one that I always like to remember. If you are in in a room, whether you're standing at a holiday party or whether you're making a presentation to a group, let's say you've been invited by the local Rotary Club to come talk about your nonprofit. When you walk in the room and you see that audience, don't ever make an assumption about who's in the room. So my next point is you never know who's in the room. You never know who's in the room. So if you're lucky enough to speak to groups or even if in a, in a casual setting, you never know who's standing there listening to you. You just don't. And I have tons of examples of you know garden clubs with 
the old, an older population. And literally sometimes some of the people in the room would be falling asleep, <laughs> <laughs> but out of that could come a million dollar donation. I mean, we had a surprise five and a half million dollar donation uh, from someone who was in the room. So uh, you never know who's in the room. And that's just something to keep in your head. Anytime you're speaking, um, you want to present that person who's representing your nonprofit. I think that's great advice. That certainly fits that category of what they don't tell you in the books or in the courses or in the conferences all the time. And you're right. Every nonprofit leader that I've known through the years has their own unique story or example of a surprise gift or a connection that they didn't expect to make. Uh, and, and, you know, corollary to that is as a nonprofit leader, sometimes it can feel like you're always on. So even if you are in a coffee shop on a Saturday morning, just simply enjoying your your newspaper and your and your cup of coffee, you may run into someone who could have a profound effect on your organization or your mission. And so I think that's that's wise advice that you never know who you who you're speaking with and how that might impact your fundraising efforts. That's right. That's right. Right. Casey, if you could maybe share um Share another example from your career, you know, or from the gardens, from that project of an unexpected, a twist and a turn, you know, something that you didn't see, you did, you weren't anticipating as you were raising these funds, but as you look back on it was really a critical inflection point in moving the project forward. Well, see off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to mind is just uh, being open to the people around you. Okay, I have an example where I was invited to a luncheon uh, of um, philanthropists. I knew that there were some heavy hitters in the room, but I did not know them. So I was doing my best to figure out who they were based on photos, that kind of thing. I was allowed five minutes and there were other people making pitches. I got five minutes and I happened to say, which is something to remember, you always need to tell people the need. You need to tell them what you need. Be clear about, don't be afraid to say we need money. And we were in a, this was our very first building and we were under construction and the board had approved that we got, we would get started, but we didn't have all the money to finish it. So I said within that five minutes, you know, I said what the mission was, what we were doing, why we were doing it. And by the way, we need a million dollars, million dollars to finish that building. And I got a check that day for a million dollars. Somebody leaned across the table and said, I'll write you a check. So it's always showing the passion, but but don't be afraid to say it. And I, I, I love it because it also demonstrates the importance of specificity. You know, sometimes, as you mentioned, it can be uncomfortable to be in those settings and we can downplay what we need or why we need it or, you know, almost feel as though we're we're begging or or and wanting to be ambiguous. And the and the reality is the people that we're speaking with want specificity. If we need a million dollars, tell us, by golly, I need a million dollars, and this is what it's going to do for the community. I would suspect that because you were so detailed, I, I know you were detailed in your presentation, and because you were detailed specifically in the amount that you were asking for, that made it far more likely that someone sitting in the room could say, I know how to meet that need. Whether it's writing a check myself, whether it's making an introduction or opening a door, you've given that person a pathway for how they individually could make an impact in the mission. So I, I really like the specificity there. And you're right, because if you change that story and if I stood up and said exactly what I said, but then I said, 
we need more money to finish this building. I probably would not have gotten a check. And if I did, it would have been $500. Right. But this fellow was capable and willing and, and he heard the number and he said, I can do that. So yeah, it is, you're right. It is very important to be specific. Um, the, so, other, um, the other thing I know you have experience with through the gardens is casting a vision. And, and I know that that's a critical part of fundraising as well. We've touched on it a little bit. In my mind, a vision has to be three things. It has to be graphic meaning whoever I'm talking to has to be able to picture what is this going to look like? If I'm trying to build a, a, a botanic gardens, I have to be able to see what is that going to look like in the community. Second thing is it has to be inspiring. People want to get behind big, bold projects. And the third thing that a vision has to be is attainable. I have to be able to look at the person I'm talking with and say, this leader is capable of translating that vision into reality. I could see the finished product where I could see what that would look like. As you've put together visions, whether it's for the gardens or other projects that you've been a part of, how have you approached that process? How have you brought others with you um, to get behind that vision? So your number three just now really struck me. So they are looking at you as the, especially if your title is executive director, president, CEO, anything like that, they are looking at you very carefully to see if you can carry this. So you have to always uh, show the confidence, show the professionalism, you know, know your stuff and always be positive and optimistic, not negative, right? Even if you have a setback. So if you are going to, whether it's your board of directors, you're going to a donor group and you've had a setback, let's say, whatever that is. For us on a landfill, we had some physical setbacks, <laughs> but then there are other times where there's financial setbacks or that you know you didn't raise as much money as you you'd planned. You have to turn that into the positive. You have to make it positive. It's, it's, in other words, you say, we had a setback, we didn't raise as much money as we expected. And you might be talking to donors when you say this, but here's our plan to move forward, right? So there always has to be that that um, positive twist on stuff. The other thing is in your professionalism, we all need to remember, I think we run into this more when we're young. When we're young, we think we're supposed to be able to do everything. We think in school, we're supposed to be a good artist, a good athlete. We're supposed to be able to do math. We're supposed to be able to do all these things really well. And parents sometimes say, well, you need to be more like this student or that student and he's got good grades or whatever. And then, you know, as you get older and to be a good leader means you're not good at everything, but you are able to recognize what those things are. And that's what it was for me. In the very beginning of the Botanical Garden Project, it just, I, I knew what this project could be for the city but I didn't, I'm not a financial person in terms of, you know, being a CPA or any of that. Um, I'm not a landfill expert. I'm not a horticulturist. I'm pitiful, pitiful as a gardener. Uh, so I, I knew immediately I needed to start bringing those people onto my team, um, not so that I can sit and shine, but so that there is confidence and that we know that the due diligence is being done right. So you have to build that team, even if those people are volunteers, because in the early days, they were. They were volunteers and they were board members. Uh, we would seek to find the people to build the team so that when you're in a session in, with donors, you're talking to them and they say, 
well, you know, what about the horticulture and the trees and this kind of say, well, let me introduce you to my horticulturist. <laughs> you have to show strength in your team because you can't be everything. And you have to realize that. Yeah. Great point. Following up on something you, you mentioned, because um, I think it, it's critically important, is that being positive and being confident, particularly when talking to donors or donor groups, doesn't mean being inauthentic. So you talked about talking openly about we've had a setback here, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, we've had a setback and we have a plan to address it. And here's our plan. Here's the team we've assembled. Sometimes, I, and I, I took this out of fundraising courses that I took when I was first starting out in my career, they talk a lot about the case for support and building, you know, this is what we're going to do. And they talk a lot about translating that into an actual program or project. What they leave out is what's between. And what's between is typically the hills and the valleys of surprises, things that go well, and surprises, things that are setbacks. And I think being authentic about those is part of being a confident leader and projecting that type of confidence to our to our donors and donor groups. Yes. And being authentic is so important. And for me, uh, good or bad, I'm just a direct, sometimes blunt kind of person. And I just say it, whether it's good or bad. And, and in some situations, people are taken aback by that. But typically with donors and with people, groups that I speak to, uh, they appreciate that. And I've heard that so many times when people said, well, you're so authentic, you're so real with us. And you say these bad things have happened, but we've corrected them by this kind of thing. And this is what we're thinking. Or the project, we thought we would be able to open it in two years, but it's going to be three years. I mean, people just want clarity. It's back to that million dollars. I just want clarity. And then they can get on board. And if they don't, that's okay. But at least you're being clear. Don't hide things. Don't mask things. You know, don't be afraid to speak. Just be authentic and, and build those relationships. Because one thing to remember, one of my other points was people really do give to people. You can, you can apply for grants. And, and, but one thing I, you know, I heard recently um, with a, a job that I had before it was a foundation and you think that a foundation, they have a grant application, they're just gonna give based on the grant. But after I had left that position, they said, we're not gonna give because she's not there. Right. So it is really about the relationships. It, it, fundraising is a relationship business. And, and what you said a few minutes ago about building a team around you, knowing that you don't have to carry all of the water, that you can surround yeah. yourself with smart people, um, it is so important because one of the things that I've found in fundraising that, again, doesn't get talked about nearly enough is that funders, whether they're foundations or individual donors, want to know that you've thought through and accounted for capacity. You know, one of the questions that I would get asked most often as a nonprofit executive was, what is it going to take in terms of, does your organization have the capacity to execute on this particular program or project? And being able to talk candidly about how I've assembled a team that has, whether it's a horticulturist, whether it's an animal expert, whether it's a landfill, like whoever those individuals are that are going to support you as a leader, and the board is part of that as well is really important in projecting that confidence that we have this. We've thought through different scenarios and that projects confidence to the donor as well. That's right. It's it, it's it's very, very important. If you're not feeling confident that day 
or confident in your message, don't go out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Stay in. <laughs> <laughs> or talk to yourself and get yourself pumped up in front of the mirror, right? right. <laughs> or talk to your friend, your an your pet, whoever can whoever can help get you into that that mental state. Right. That's right. That's right. Casey, are there before we wrap up, are there any other pearls of wisdom that you would want to share with us, with our listeners, uh, when you think about between the sheets of fundraising? Um, yes, there's there's one I'd like to mention. Um, and this this point is that every every donor has a different door in, a different path in to your nonprofit. And um, you know, for a botanical garden, some people cared about the plants, some didn't. Some cared about the landfill, some cared about the programming, some cared about the kids. So your nonprofit, whatever it is, has different aspects, even though your mission may be X, there's still other aspects and say, well, yes, our mission is this. And someone might say, well, I'm not, I don't care so much about that. But you say, well, we have impact, for example, you might say our, our nonprofit has impact on our neighborhood. Do you care about the neighborhood? Do you care about economic development? Do you care about tourism? Do you care about education? So just think of it as, as a circle or a room and it has several doors and just know that your donors are not all coming in the same door. And so when you're talking to them, you want to make sure you've got all your doors open. You might craft your message, especially if you get feedback. If you look at your donor and they're kind of making a face or they're looking bored, try another door and just think of it holistically. Casey, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Um, I always enjoy the conversation, always enjoy getting to visit with you. For those who have enjoyed uh, this conversation as much as I have and who would like to reach out to you directly um, for more information or to get in touch with you, what is the best way for people to reach you? Uh, that would be email. Um, and that's uh, kmayer, my name. So K-M-A-I-E-R 505 at gmail.com. Or through LinkedIn, Casey with a K, M-A-I-E-R. Casey, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. For all of you who are listening to the podcast, um, thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for helping us to grow the Nonprofit Vision podcast community. Encourage you to share it with your friends, your coworkers, your colleagues as we continue to, to grow and expand this community. And if you're enjoying the podcast, highly encourage you to leave us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. And until we, we come back with our next episode, stay safe and stay well.